HVAC 360 is brought to you today by the Sheet Metal Stretcher. Nothing worse than your ductwork arriving on site too short. Now there's no need to scrap it or send it back. The engineers over at the Tin Knocker Technologies have another dynamite solution to a problem that has plagued apprentices for years. This patented device gets placed over the middle of the duct. You know, the place where excess sheet metal atoms are stored. Everybody knows that and gently warms it to a pliable temperature, which will allow the duct to be carefully stretched to the proper length. Does that seem like magic? You bet it does! This device may not be cheap, but with special financing available, it's no stretch to get yours today. Get the sheet metal stretcher! What's up? Welcome back. This is episode number 104. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. How do we do that? We do that by sharing lessons learned from the field and interviewing industry, industry experts. But we don't stop there. We encourage you to double down on your weekly dose of HVAC knowledge by jumping over to HVAC360.com and join the growing community of HVAC enthusiasts just like you. So, what's up for this week? This week, we're going to talk to Rick Trammell. Uh, he's with Taco Comfort Solutions, uh, and he's somebody who I met over at a local uh, AEE meeting. That's the Association of Energy Engineers. Uh, they offer good presentations, and I met Rick there, and his presentation was excellent. Uh, it is actually a little bit... Um, I don't know how to say it. It, it, it. it caused a sense of urgency. I mean, this is something that you should be pay great attention to uh, because we haven't really seen these type of regulations show up uh, to really too often or ever, you know, for especially with pumps. Um, so uh, actually, but I did, I think the one good thing, I did get his uh, his presentation uh, and I will link to that in the show notes. Those show notes, you know, you can find those again uh, over at HVAC360.com slash 104. Uh, well, that's it for this intro. Let's cut to the tape with Rick Termel. All right, today we have Rick Termel, who is the area VP for the central region for Taco Comfort Solutions. How are you doing today, Rick? Doing great, Matt. Appreciate you having me on today. Not a problem. Hey, um, so tell me a little bit about uh, Taco Comfort Solutions. So Taco Comfort Solutions uh, is a third-generation family-owned uh, company. Uh, we're a designer and manufacturer of hydronic pumps, uh, tanks, heat exchangers, controls, and pretty much any other accessory uh, that you would see in a mechanical room in a, a commercial HVAC a residential HVAC, uh, an industrial uh, or a municipal application. Uh, we're headquartered in Cranston Island, but we have many other facilities across North America uh, and throughout the world, uh, ranging from assembly facilities to foundries. Um, and uh, we're pretty much uh, a staple in your mechanical room uh, in any of those applications. Uh, we are about to turn uh, 100 years old in just a couple of years, but we are we are very focused on the engineering side of, of our HVAC systems, and uh, high-efficiency uh, pumping is, is a primary thing that we focus on these days. 
Fantastic. You know, every time I go into a mechanical room, I see a green pump. I'm like, okay, there's Taco. So yes, we are the green. We are the green pumps in your mechanical room. So I, I guess today we're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, Department of Energy, the DOE uh, pump regulations. Um, so why is why are these pump regulations? Why are they so important? I think the the DOE pump regulations accomplished two really important things. You know, the first thing that they did is they established a commercial pump rating system for all pump manufacturers to utilize uh, to rate their pumps on a level playing field in a certified test lab. I think the other thing that they did that's important is they forced us all to raise the bar on our pump efficiencies by setting a minimum um, and, and affecting a majority of the pumps used in uh, commercial HVAC today. And I think that's an important piece. So we're now playing on a level playing field, manufacturer to manufacturer, uh, very similar to what has already, uh, had, has already happened in the chiller side or package rooftop side. Now we're doing a very similar thing on the pump side. I think that's going to be great for the industry and great for the consumer. So I, I think I think if people, uh, listeners out there, are a little bit a little bit confused about ratings and con- essentially they're trying to do the um, uh, Energy Star for commercial equipment, basically. Uh, like you mentioned, yes. you know we have standards for the EERs for for certain packaged equipment. Now they're trying to take it to pumps. So that's 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 really what we're doing. Um, before it was, I mean, before you would just select a pump based on efficiency and you wouldn't really know, um, you know, how would you compare the pumps before? Yeah. uh, Previously, our pump efficiencies that were being uh, scheduled on projects was based on the efficiency of the wet end of the pump. Um, it did not include uh, true wire to water efficiency, including the, uh, the energy use of the motor. Uh, and uh, if there's a VFD drive associated with it, the total energy use of the of the pump itself um, uh, similar to uh, a mile per gallon rating in the car now it's a complete system a complete package and it's rated together as a single unit uh, and that's different than it was in the past so now when we talk about efficiencies and we talk about differences between pumps ratings and their efficiencies uh, it is a complete relative uh, rating that truly represents the energy consumption of the pump used in an HVAC or commercial application so now the DOE didn't do this just on their own. Who do they, who do they partner with to get this get get this done? Well, they actually uh, showed a lot of foresight, and uh, being that this was a newer industry uh, for them to uh, come into, uh, and they they didn't have a lot of uh, industry experience on the pumping side, uh, they engaged the Hydraulic Institute, and uh, the Hydraulic Institute is a the global authority on pumps and pumping systems. Um, they are an association of uh, positive displacement, rotodynamic, centrifugal pump manufacturers and suppliers, and their one and only mission uh, is to be a value-added resource and mentor uh, to companies, engineering firms, and pump users worldwide. And so the HI, or as it's known, um, was consulted exclusively um, and to bring these uh, regulations into uh, the DOE. So it was a, a combination effort of uh, the DOE, uh, Hydraulic Institute, and several uh, energy uh, producers across the country that came together to kind of uh, bring this uh, regulation. And I, what I'll say it's a, it's a very common sense regulation, which which I really appreciated. Now, what, common sense. I think I think you're, what you're referring to is the fact that this doesn't apply to every single pump in existence. Correct. That is correct. They they took a look at the. Uh, energy consumption of pumps across 
the entire spectrum. Uh, and they looked at uh, what I call the 80-20 rule. And they attacked the 80% uh, of the pumps that are the most consuming uh, pumps out there and the most common pumps. So it's a very, very targeted uh, range of pumps really geared at the, uh, the HVAC and uh, light industrial market. Uh, and that's where the majority of the pumps are sold today. Now, when they, when they targeted the pumps specifically, I mean, why why pumps? Why why did the DOE kind of narrow their you know their their focus on pumps? I think from a from two, for two reasons. One, um, they've done a lot of regulation uh, across many other uh, areas, everything from refrigerators uh, to washing machines and dryers, we've regulated a lot of items with Energy Star. And they started looking uh, outside of that range. Where else are the, the big power consumers? So electrical motors have long been regulated, right? And there's been several uh, levels of increased regulation on electrical motors. But now they decided to look at pumps. And the pumps use a lot of energy. The pumps in commercial and industrial applications account for 40% of the total energy used uh, in a building. So they want to look for where they can save the most energy and this is where they target. The estimated savings, this regulation, is equal to the annual electricity required by 1.5 million homes annually. So the, the impact of this uh, health regulation will be immediate and uh, it's very, very impactful to the energy usage on the pole. So now, I guess, what, what does this mean, getting back to the, the design engineers? What, what does this mean to them? So from an engineer standpoint, it'll change how they schedule pumps. Um, the pumps will have additional information on the schedule. Uh, they'll have what is known as a PEI rating, uh, which is the tested wire the water efficiency of the pump. Um, it's a match-specific rating. So when you're scheduling uh, pumps on a project, not only will you be scheduling the wet end and saying it's going to be a takeo pump, for example, but you'll also be saying it's going to be a uh, Baldor motor, and I'm just using examples, and it's going to be uh, a Danfoss drive uh, as an example. It's now a tested, rated uh, application together. Uh, and this is very important because when you're comparing a pump versus a pump, these new rating systems actually mean percentage points of efficiency. And so now when you're calculating your energy consumption on a complete project, the, the pump's rating has a direct impact on that, will have a direct impact on that rating for say like a lead project. Now, uh, now you're talking about the rating. The rating itself, uh, what is that rating and kind of what's, what's the range of good to bad on that rating? So the, the new rating is called a PEI and that stands for Pump Energy Index. And this metric is a ratio of the pump being rated over the representative performance of a minimally compliant pump, which is the PER, for that specific pump. Um, and so what I mean by that is you're comparing a pump in a specific head and flow category uh, against another pump in that head and flow category. So what the DOE and HI did is they, they picked pumps in certain ranges of head and flow. They tested all of them, and then they took the least efficient 25% and said, this is the new bar and you must be below this new bar. So if your pump was in the bottom 25 or bottom quartile of efficiency, 
It can no longer be manufactured and sold after 2020, January 27, 2020. So they gave, gave that new number a number of 1.0. So the pump energy index means that your pump has to be le a score of less than 1.0 in order to be compliant. So you can be anything below one and be a legal pump to sell. So as your score is lower, that is a more efficient pump. So to give you an example, a 0.50 pump would be more efficient than a 0.80 pump. And that's being compared against another pump in the same head and flow category. Wow. That, I mean, that that's very, I, I mean, that that's, that's excellent to be able to compare this. And I, I just like to point out, I mean, you say that the regulation comes into play on 2020. Um, you know, when you, when you think about this, you're like, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's far off, you know, that's, that's, that's a ways away, but realistically, I mean, the, the date this, this podcast is being published, um, we're, you know, coming into the last months of 2018, um, 2019 is just around the corner. And when you think about a design cycle that could be 18 months, um, yours, your, I mean, this is, this is right now. This is, this is not, and I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, tell me, you know, from a manufacturer's standpoint, this is, has to be, you know, 2020 isn't like, okay, we'll comply way, way, you know, way in the future. You, you have to start, you know, pushing the panic button now, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're redesigning pumps, uh, every single day, uh, to be compliant by the time the 2020 date gets here. And, and one good thing about this is because there's an, a bar set, you know, we have a target as manufacturers, and we're competitive. Um, so we're going to be out there trying to be very competitive and have the most efficient pumps. But you're absolutely right. Um, today, they're designing projects that are going to be built in 2020. But the good news is, is any pump they put on a schedule today will be more efficient after January 27, 2020. So you won't have to worry about scheduling a pump that won't be compliant in 2020 as manufacturers will have to. And whatever we submit to you after that date will be more efficient than what you originally had scheduled. So there's no danger uh, in scheduling a pump today and not getting the efficiency you're going to need in the future. So uh, I guess talk to me a little bit about constant load versus variable load. I know that's that that plays into um, you know, effect on a lot of the pumps. Um, can you talk about, you know, how those are being uh, organized in this rating system? Yeah, so there's there's three ways uh, for a manufacturer to rate a pump, and uh, manufacturers will, will rate their pumps in all three ways um, if they can comply with the PEI number. So a constant load uh, rating is uh, either a bare pump uh, which means that your, your score must be below the 1.0, or you can rate it uh, as a bare pump and motor. So this is a constant low pump, meaning it has no control. Uh, again, both of those scores must be under that minimally compliant 1.0. Variable load is a rating with bare pump motor and what the DOE calls continuous control, which in, in our industry is, is it's under some sort of a, a drive control, uh, whether it's uh, under variable speed control or even just on a drive uh, for for setting a constant flow application the, the rating is bare pump plus motor and continuous control drive uh, most manufacturers will be very focused on the bare pump motor and continuous control ratings 
simply because that gives you the highest score. Um, it really was the intention of the DOE to make sure that uh, tested, rated, matched pump motors and drives are what is getting out there in the field to ensure that the efficiency standards that the consumer is expecting to get are met because that's a tested application in a certified test lab. Now, I think that, that that's that in and of itself. Again, we're getting to the, the matched set. You've, you've tested it into a test lab. Everybody's playing by the same rules. Um, but, you know, at least, you know, in my, in my design experience, what I've seen out, you know, on the drawings, um, you have specified a pump. You don't, I mean, if it's a high efficiency motor, you're like, okay, great. You're, you're going to have a spec section that's kind of kind of be general. Um, you're not really focused on that too much. You're not selecting, you know, the, the brand or the type. You just want to make sure if it's, you know, a high efficiency, if it's going to be a variable speed drive that you're going to put on it. Um, but then you have, you know, the drive manufacturer, but you have multiple drive manufacturers as an option for this, so ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you're really changing things a lot, uh, up a lot for the engineers. Um, in a sense, it, you could make it simple and saying, "Hey, you know what? It has to be compliant with this rating, and it has to meet this meet or exceed this rating." Uh, but ultimately, um, you know, I think the, some of the questions that pop into my mind when you say, "Hey, you know what? You have specific, you know, pump motor and drives." Um, you know, typically drives get you know, purchased by the electrical contractor and installed, um, you know, how is that, you know, how, how, walk me through that. How is that going to be um, easier for the, the engineers? Well, I think there's, there's two things that are going on in our industry and, and to some extent they've hit the, the air side uh, people a little bit earlier than us. More and more uh, HVAC products are coming with integral drives um, and or match drives built into the units. And, and they're doing that because the rating system uh, is, again, based on a tested packaged uh, unit. And we're, we're, our industry is trying to move that same direction. We may not be as far along on the pump side as, as other industries, but what they, what they did recognize is there will be applications where uh, a different uh, drive manufacturer or a different motor manufacturer is desired uh, on a campus uh, or on a, a large facility for consistency and serviceability. And so the DOE has given a prescriptive uh, method for rating a pump uh, with a motor that hasn't been tested and, and a drive that hasn't been specifically tested. Um, however, you do take a, a small calculated deduction in your, in your rating efficiency uh, as a result of that. So uh, there is potential for a uh, non-tested combination to not meet the DOE standard. However, if you are a manufacturer who has redesigned the wet end of the pump to be compliant, uh, it would be very, very unlikely that somebody else's motor and drive would not still meet the DOE standard. Um, so that is a, a very long formula I won't bore you with today. It's it's in the uh, HI DOE standard. Um, that uh, tells you how to calculate uh, a pump's efficiency um, with somebody else's motor and drive. So there is a method for that uh, to cover that application. Right. So it's almost like they add, you say, if you haven't calculated it, we're going to give you the worst case scenario that you have to add into it. Is that correct? Yeah. You're going to make some assumptions on uh, that the motor is not as efficient as the one that was tested 
and that the pairing of the drive was not done as effectively as it would be in a manufactured environment. Now, is this driving the industry to, I, I know that, you know, I've gone to the HR show, um, the HR Expo, and I've seen new pumps with the drive mounted on it. Um, is that going to be more common or, or is it not going to really change too much? I know that's that. I mean, I look at that and I go, you know, it's nice, but, you know, hey, if something happens with the drive, it's kind of integral to the pump. Or if something happens to the pump, then you lose the drive. I mean, is that something that, you know, manufacturers or maybe, uh, you know, that the Taco is, is looking at, hey, this is going to be the, the solution of the future? Or is it still going to be we're going to have wall mounted or, um, you know, just mounted separately drives uh, in the in the field? I think you're going to see more and more um, uh, based on the size and the application uh, of the, the drive being integral to the pump. Um, Self-sensing technology uh, is starting to gain in popularity. Uh, it grows at Takeo very significantly every year uh, where you don't have to have controls and sensors out in the, in the system. Um, and I think that that's the, the DOE's intention. Uh, is to is to make sure we have more mass systems out there, and I think as as the practical implications uh, allow for you to build a, a pump motor drive combination that's all built in a single system, uh, you're going to see more and more of that. And I think you know up to about three horsepower today, uh, you see a significant amount of manufacturers, including Taco, uh, that have a you know pump motor drive all integral. Um, and, and a single piece, so to speak. I think you'll see more of that technology. Now, as you get into the larger horsepowers, the physical size uh, becomes uh, an issue at this point in technology. Uh, so you'll see still separate motor and drive. Um, there's electrical implications of, of uh, size and spacing and, and height uh, that come into play. So I think you'll always see on uh, the larger horsepowers, there'll be a uh, a pump, a motor, and a drive, and the drive may or may not be mounted to the uh, to the pump itself. Now, I, just to be clear about this, you know, you've talked about a, a large portion of the commercial pumps. Specifically, I guess we're talking about inline and end suction. Is that correct? Yeah. So the the way the regulation is is written um, are the model pumps affected are end section uh, frame mount, uh, end suction close coupled. Inline pumps, vertical inline uh, pumps, um, radially split multi-stage vertical inline pumps, and submersible turbines. Now, once you get into those categories of pumps that are affected, uh, the ones that are included are designated as uh, what we call clean water pumps. Uh, they are between 1 and 200 horsepower. So anything over 200 horsepower is not affected. Uh, they have to have a flow rate uh, greater than 25 GPM and a head less than 459 feet um, in, in typical nominal speed pumps included in that. So uh, uh, the, the pumps that aren't excluded are any non-clean water applications, nuclear, mill spec, uh, fire pump, sanitary type pumps, not part of this regulation. However, if, you know, looking at what we produce, this is a large, large portion, uh, maybe closer to 90% of what we manufacture in the industry uh, today, right. so those are the that are affected, and so from an HVAC sp you know, perspective, uh, unless it's a very, very uh, large, tall building, uh, your pump is going to be part of this rulemaking. 
Right. I think anybody that's been out in the field uh, or engineering for any amount of time, they, they look at these, they hear these numbers and they're like, yep, that's that's pretty much if I have a pump, it's going to be that. Um, you know, you don't get, uh, you know, get too ridiculous out there. Um, so I guess, um, how, how do you identify this? How is this identified? I mean, obviously, you know, you can, you can list it on your submittal. Um, you can list it on the schedule. Uh, how does it actually come out into the field? So uh, from a field standpoint, your nameplate uh, is going to change. Uh, so the, the nameplate to identify model, serial number, horsepowers, uh, things like that will change uh, over time. Each manufacturer, I'm sure, will, will plate it uh, differently, but it must have uh, the PEI rating indicated on the pump. Um, it can also have the HI rating indicated on the pump. And all pumps uh, in the categories we just discussed have to be tested. So everything has to be tested in that lab, has to be labeled in order to be compliant. So it's important you'll see that the pumps going out into the field will now have different labeling requirements. Um, and that's why we would also suggest from an engineer standpoint, uh, their schedules reflect some of those new labeling requirements. Right. I think so. So, I mean, now, I mean, is that something that's available now? I mean, if, so, if an engineer was to put that on a schedule today, um, is that something that they could end up getting? Uh, not always. So different manufacturers of different pumps have uh, taken a different approach as to how they, how and when they rate their pumps and when they put it into the HI database, uh, which can be found at uh, pumps.org. Um, and so you can't uh, necessarily and won't necessarily see the labeling coming out until we get a little bit closer to 2020. Um, but uh, the database is starting to be populated. Some manufacturers put all of their pumps uh, that were compliant in the database uh, immediately. Uh, others are only putting their redesigned pumps in the database and, and not loading the older model. Even if the older model was compliant, they aren't putting that in the database. Uh, so at, at this point, I don't think you could uh, uh, universally uh, use the rating system. Now, we were trying to get out there as manufacturers and let people know what's coming uh, so they can be talking to their manufacturers, start looking at the new designed pumps and picking a, a more efficient pump than maybe they would have in the past. Right. Now, and, and just, to, just to, I guess, you know, for anybody who's designers out there, I mean, start now to take a look at this, this rating system, uh, to take a look at the pumps. Uh, to, to start changing your specifications or look to see, you know, maybe uh, um, if uh, the uh, anybody who has a master spec, maybe they need to start changing that. Um, again, if it's something that is not necessarily um, in now, you can kind of kind of forego that, uh, you know, during the submittal process, if they have a kickback and they say, hey, we can't get a rating on this pump, I would say, you know what, just do it anyway, but say, okay, we understand, but we're doing this for the future. Uh, but get that in your specifications now. Um, and, you know, to anybody who's out there, you know, doing commissioning or inspecting or, you know, you know, building inspectors, even engineers inspecting out in the field. I mean, obviously, this opens up a whole new um, uh, list of things that you're going to need to check with your pumps, uh, because not only are you going to make sure that, you know, the pump is labeled, you know, come 2020, because it's going to be a requirement. Um, make sure the pump is labeled. Make sure that you have the, um, the right motor and the right drive that all three are matching. 
Um, because again, you know, even though you've probably designed it that way and you've specified it that way, it may for some reason not get into the field like that. There might be a last minute switch or something, you know, wasn't available in stock. So they gave you something else instead. Um, so those kind of things, you know, those are some of the quirky kind of things that I, I can anticipate, um, you know, just from, you know, my experience, I think that those are some of the things that are going to be happening out in the field that we need to make sure that, that we test for. Absolutely. The, the program is going to be largely self-policed by those of us in the industry. It's going to be the manufacturers, the engineers, owners, commissioning agents to make sure that the rules are being followed. And it's the consumer in mind here, uh, because at the end of the day, if you pay for a pump that scores a certain rating, which has a certain amount of energy consumption expected in a year, and somebody gives you something less than, um, then that directly affects your bottom line, and uh, it affects the industry, and it affects the environment at the end of the day. Um, the goal of this was to put more efficient pumps in the field uh, to, to help with, with energy efficiency and to make sure that the consumer is getting what he's paying for or she's paying for. Right, absolutely. Um, now, I guess... Um what I mean, where can people learn more about this? I mean, we we've actually you've talked about the Hydraulic Institute. We'll get that in the show notes at pumps.org. I, I, of all the different, uh, you know, um, you know, w, w, URLs that we could actually kind of, you know, well, we'll post this. Well, you might not have to need a reminder on how to go to pumps.org. But um, you know, where I guess where can people start learning more about the changes and things like that? Well, I think you mentioned the, the right website. You know, the DOE website can be very difficult uh, to find your way around because there's so large and there's so much in there. But uh, pumps.org is the repository for everything pump-related, everything related to the DOE regulations. Uh, it's also where manufacturers will be uh, registering their certified pumps. It really is the place, uh, the one and only place you need to go anything about this topic or, or anything in pumps in general. All right. You know, one thing that's just struck my mind and, and, you know, I guess maybe you can, you can address this a little bit. Um, but you know, every year you've, you, you know, you see the latest and greatest and in, in the improvements and, and some things are like constantly changing. You know, you talk about, you know, the different technologies. When's the last time something like this has come through the, uh, you know, the pump industry? When is when has this been affected? When is this when have pump designs ever changed? Well, I, I think that uh, this is kind of unprecedented in our industry, um, uh, especially on the commercial uh, side of, of the business. Um, I think uh, that this has really forced manufacturers for the first time in quite some time, at least in, in my uh, time in this industry, to take a hard look at uh, the efficiencies of our pumps. Uh, to take a hard look at what our peers' efficiencies are. And it's really driving, I think, that, that uh, entrepreneurial behavior to be the best, to be the most efficient, to bring more technology uh, to the field uh, than was being asked for before and demanded of us before. Um, I think this is going to be great for our industry, and I think uh, it'll only lead to more innovation uh, in the pumping and, uh, and given the amount of... of uh, of energy consumed by these items, it can have a dramatic impact on our environment. All right, fantastic. So is there anything else as a last word that you want to add to this conversation? 
Uh, no, Matt, I, again, I really appreciate you having me on today. If uh, people have more questions, uh, they can always reach out to their, their local uh, manufacturer rep. Uh, they should have the knowledge on this. They can, of course, always reach out to their TACO rep, uh, who also has this information. And uh, we, we have information on our website, uh, some PowerPoint presentations that kind of go through a lot of what we talked about today uh, that we're are more than willing to share with anybody to bring them up to speed. And we'll even, even come out to you or your firm and uh, do some one-on-one uh, -on -one training for your firm to explain the situation and what's going on and how it affects you as well. So uh, we're, we're here to be your resource to, to support the field, whatever we can do as a company. All right, fantastic. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks again for Rick Jermel for taking the time to chat with us. Check out the show notes, uh, things that mentioned during the interview. You can find those show notes again at HVAC360.com slash 104 for episode 104. All right. I think that uh, this was excellent. I think that uh, thanks for so much for listening. I hope it was, it was useful. I know that uh, you can be one of those people that, that helps others out uh, by forwarding this message onto them. Uh, forward on the podcast, forward on the links, um, because everybody needs to know about this. And like I mentioned during the interview, this is 2020 is coming up uh, for designs. It's, it's just right around the corner. And we want to make sure that everybody's on board with this. The manufacturers are gearing up. Everybody's being prepared. So you want to be one of those prepared people and you want to share this information with others that you want to make you want to make sure that your engineering compatriots are you know they they they're in the know as well don't don't hide this from them this isn't a piece to keep to yourself so pass it along all right if you're not a subscriber to our uh, growing list of HVAC uh, heroes, go over to HVAC360.com and sign up for the weekly mailing list. Um, I give special little uh, little uh, announcements there, so if you want to be on the inside, uh, go over there and sign up for the list. Uh, also, would be greatly appreciative if anybody wanted to leave me a ratings on Apple Podcasts. I would definitely give you a shout-out in the show. So... All right. Well, that's a wrap for this week on HVAC 360. Again, I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know.